Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne on Wurundjeri Land And broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network My name is Mara On this week's show, we'll be hearing from Tim Wright from ICANN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, about the recent developments at the UN Conference on Disarmament, bringing us closer to a global weapons ban treaty, despite Australia's best efforts to derail the process. Then we'll speak to Timothy Hawkins, a long-time disarmament activist and PhD candidate, about Australia's dependence on America's nuclear arsenal as a nuclear deterrent. Nuclear weapons are the only weapons of mass destruction not yet banned by an international convention. It is approximated that 15,395 nuclear weapons are held by nine states, the United States, Russia, the United Kingdom, France, China, India, Pakistan, Israel and North Korea. 93% of those weapons are held by the United States and Russia. At this year's meeting, a report was presented to representatives of 103 nations. The report recommended that negotiations begin in 2017 to ban nuclear weapons and was expected to be approved unanimously until Australia derailed the process and forced a vote. An article in The Guardian quotes a Department of Foreign Affairs spokesperson saying, Australia called for a vote on the report as it was the most effective way to register our opposition to a recommendation to start negotiations on a ban treaty. A consensus report was not possible in the circumstances. Australia relies on the concept of extended nuclear deterrence, or END, which is based on the idea that in the event of an attack, the United States nuclear arsenal would be used to come to Australia's aid. It is unclear, however, under what circumstances this would happen. We spoke to Tim Wright from ICANN, who has recently returned from the UN conference on disarmament in Geneva. Yeah, I'm Tim Wright. I'm the Asia-Pacific Director of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, um, which is a group that originated here in Melbourne, um, and we now have partners in around 100 countries, and we're working to get a, a treaty that outlaws all nuclear weapons. And I hear you're just back from Geneva. Yeah, so we had a really big week in Geneva last week. Uh, there's a UN working group that was set up last year, um, and it's been meeting all throughout this year. And then last week, the talks came to a, a conclusion, uh, and the working group actually adopted a report um, which recommends a conference next year to negotiate uh, this treaty that we're working towards. So you know, a treaty that uh, outlaws uh, not just the use of nuclear weapons, but also the manufacture uh, and possession. So this is a big step forward, uh, and we expect the General Assembly of the UN will act on this recommendation in October this year. Uh, so a, a huge development. We're all really excited about it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the Australian government really um, tried to throw a spanner in the works last week. Um, so it was hugely disappointed by uh, its performance at the talks. What was Australia's role in the talks? Yeah, so usually uh, these reports uh, are adopted by consensus. Um, so, I mean, this is the first time we've had a working group like this looking uh, in detail at nuclear disarmament, but there are other working groups on other issues. And you would expect um, the report just to be um, adopted because um, these reports are kind of worked on 
um, over a number of weeks to try to get all of the participating countries uh, to agree. And there were over 100 countries participating in this working group. And we thought on the final day that we would um, we would be able to get it adopted by consensus. But um, Australia, of all the 100-something countries participating, uh, was the only one that felt that it was necessary to, to force a vote. And uh, this was seen as a really drastic move. Uh, and it's because Australia strongly opposes this idea of a, a global ban on nuclear weapons uh, and the ban is the the key recommendation of the report um, so it said that it simply couldn't accept the report. Why do you think Australia has that position? So it has much to do with the US alliance. Um, Australia argues that US nuclear weapons are essential for our security, um, not just that they provide us but also ensure our prosperity. Um, this is, um, these are official talking points of the, the government. Um, it's really quite uh, absurd, but the, the basic premise is that if Australia should ever be threatened with nuclear weapons, um, US nuclear weapons would be used in Australia's uh, defence. Um, and Australia is one of about 30 countries that, uh, that have that make that claim of being protected by the US nuclear umbrella. Uh, and so Australia is kind of has been joining with countries in uh, the NATO nuclear alliance as well as Japan in trying to stop this ban from uh, from being negotiated next year. but uh, they're quick they're clearly swimming against the the tide. Um, there's a huge amount of momentum behind this. and now with the recommendation of the working group to go ahead, um, it, it looks almost certain that the negotiations will begin next year. Do you think they're likely to be successful? Well, I think that the treaty will be negotiated. Um, I mean, the extent to which, which this treaty is successful, uh, I guess, is the, is the question. Um, so we don't expect the treaty to work miracles. We don't think it will uh, result in a nuclear weapon-free world overnight. Um, but we do think that it will fundamentally change the international uh, landscape on this issue, um, the way that nuclear weapons are perceived by the international community, uh, because at the moment we have a situation where um, there are some countries which are considered to be kind of legitimate nuclear weapon states and others that are considered to be rogue nuclear weapon states like North Korea uh, and, and to some extent Pakistan. Um, but we want to uh, make it clear that no country um, should possess these weapons of mass destruction, that they're unacceptable um, for all countries, uh, whether that is possessing them or uh, otherwise claiming protection from them in the way that Australia does. Um, you know, Australia has no moral authority to tell other countries uh, not to acquire nuclear weapons when... Uh, Australia uh, believes that they're essential for its own security. Uh, so we need to establish the same standard for all, um, and this uh, this proposed treaty would do that. Uh, so I think that with a lot of pressure from other countries and a lot of pressure from the public, uh, we can uh, ensure that a large majority of countries join this treaty uh, and that it has a really strong 
effect in building a global norm against nuclear weapons um, and and really compelling the nuclear armed countries to take their disarmament obligations seriously. Um, we have more than 15,000 nuclear weapons in the world today. Um, this is you know, 15,000 accidents waiting to happen or 15,000 potential deliberate acts of mass murder um, that we need to avert. And I think it's only a matter of time before uh, they will be used unless we get serious about nuclear disarmament. Particularly when you've got a potential Trump president saying, if you've got nukes, why not use them? Yeah, and I think that uh, Hillary Clinton's a pretty scary prospect as well. Um, and you know, she's been out there saying that, you know, can you trust this man um, with nuclear weapons, with his, you know, with his finger on the, the nuclear button? Um, but I don't think we can trust. We should be trusting anyone mm. um, with the ability to inflict um, that kind of devastation. Um, so I think uh, Trump's candidacy has certainly um, raised some of these questions. Um, yeah, and, and, and challenged this idea that um, the US is and will always be kind of a, a supposedly responsible nuclear actor. Um, remember, of course, that the US is the only uh, nuclear armed nation that's ever used nuclear weapons uh, in war in, in, against the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, in 1945, and has also tested more nuclear weapons uh, than any other country. So... Um, we need to kind of challenge these myths of the responsible nuclear actors, and this uh, this treaty is is all about doing that. Um, it's all about stigmatising nuclear weapons and and delegitimising them for all. Which base provides key information for every U.S. drone strike? Played a crucial role in Iraq and Afghanistan wars as well as providing targeting and surveillance information for the Israeli Defence Force. Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back. War is terrorism. It's the Pine Gap Joint Defence Facility, located just 20 kilometres from Alice Springs on Aranda Country, and this year marks 50 years of its inglorious existence. Come and join the closed Pine Gap protest near the gates of the base from September 26th to 30th. For all the details, head to closepinegap.org. Getting quick to book your early bird bus ticket from Melbourne for just $200 return. That's closepinegap.org. See you there. Close Pine Gap is a 3CR supporter. Is terrorism. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're speaking with Tim Wright from ICANN about recent international negotiations for a weapons ban treaty. Tim, can you please tell us what ICANN's approach for the campaign to abolish nuclear weapons is? Um, so we're very much focused on um, mobilising you know, a groundswell of uh, public support for this, um, so giving people the, the tools that they need to uh, engage um, in this process. Um, we're really focused on... Um, highlighting the humanitarian consequences of nuclear weapon detonations. Uh, so we've done a lot of work to ensure that the voices of uh, the survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, as well as the survivors of nuclear testing around the world, have been heard throughout this uh, process so far. Um, and 
we really want to make sure that every country in the world has a say on these issues and that it's not just left to uh, the nuclear armed countries to decide whether or not they uh, disarm and the rate at which they disarm. Um, so we've put a lot of effort into uh, in, you know, to, uh, facilitating the participation of Pacific Island states, um, Southeast Asian countries, African countries, Latin American countries, uh, and it's really uh, these nuclear-free countries that are that are uh, driving this initiative, and that's why it's so fundamentally different from uh, past initiatives that have failed. Um, I read in a Guardian article saying that Australia's position was that a ban treaty wouldn't reduce the number of nuclear weapons and that they want to strengthen the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. What do you think about that? Australia's position is a status quo position. Um, you know, they have all sorts of excuses as to why um, they won't support this ban treaty. Uh, one of their arguments being, as you say, that it won't be effective. They even say that it will uh, undermine the Non-Proliferation Treaty, which is the main existing treaty on this issue. Um, they say it will you know, lead to the proliferation of nuclear weapons and uh, possible use of nuclear weapons and all of these kind of uh, extreme uh, arguments that are completely nonsensical. Uh, and all of this is designed to disguise the true reason for uh, Australia's opposition being that it uh, believes nuclear weapons are a good thing, uh, believes that they're necessary for its own security. And if you look at the countries that sided with Australia in voting against this report last week, um, they're all countries that claim nuclear weapons are necessary for their security. And so that's the reason that they're opposing this move towards a ban, uh, it's not because they believe that it will be ineffective, although that's what they argue. Uh, it's that uh, they're worried that it will put uh, incredible pressure on them to end their own reliance on nuclear weapons. Uh, and I think that Australia, if this treaty, assuming that this treaty is negotiated next year, uh, Australia will find it very difficult to stay away from the treaty. Um, and even if this current government in Australia uh, refuses to join it, I think that a future government uh, will join it. And this is a you know, it's a long-term process, and we don't expect that um, you know, there'll be universal support for the treaty as soon as it's negotiated. But uh, countries will be able to join it um, at any stage subsequent to the negotiations. Well, it's very interesting and slightly frightening. Um, what can people do to find out more information or get involved with ICANN? Yeah, well, uh, people should um, look at our website, icanw.org, uh, and then there's further um, information. So there's a lot of information on our main website um, about this um, recent development in Geneva at the UN Working Group. Um, if you do forward slash AU, you'll find a lot of Australian-specific uh, information. Or there's a there's a drop-out down box at the top where you can click uh, Australia so you can find out a bit more about uh, why it is that Australia is opposing this. Um, I think we really just need to, to spread the word that Australia is uh, standing in the way of this huge 
uh, international movement towards a global ban on nuclear weapons, and we need to make sure that uh, all of our politicians are aware of it and are aware that we uh, are deeply unhappy with what Australia is saying and doing at these international forums. Um, we haven't heard anything yet uh, from the Labor Party in response uh, to this recent development, um, even though the Labor Party has has a policy um, supporting a treaty banning nuclear weapons, they haven't spoken out yet. So uh, we hope that they'll do that. We hope that they'll express their disappointment and outrage uh, in the same way that the Greens um, have in response to last week's um, development. So um, this needs to be debated in the Parliament and uh, I think that the Australian public can uh, can can try to make that happen by uh, you know, individuals approaching their elected representatives. Thank you so much for your time today, Tim. That's really interesting and it'll be interesting to see what the Labor Party says, if anything, and what happens in the negotiation process next year. Yeah, yeah, I think it's all, all coming together. Thanks very much, Tim. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Next up, Dimity Hawkins joins us to explain Australia's strange position and reliance on extended nuclear deterrence. Hi, Dimity. Thanks for joining us on the Radioactive Show. Can you introduce yourself, please? It's Dimity Hawkins, and I'm a PhD candidate at Swinburne University. Can you please explain extended nuclear deterrence and Australia's reliance on America's nuclear assets? Yeah, well, this is an area that I looked into quite a lot last year when I was looking into this in my studies. Extended nuclear deterrence is something that was adopted by Australia formally in the 1994 Defence White Paper. It's based on the assumption that the US would come to Australia's aid with their nuclear weapons if Australia was threatened with a nuclear attack. So that's quite an intense idea, basically. It's an arrangement that the US have between themselves and NATO states, for example, which was set up during the Cold War era in Europe. And it's something that they extend also to Japan and South Korea. So people are probably quite familiar with the idea in relation to those things. But a lot of people haven't understood that our government has said now for over 20 years that we endorse the idea of nuclear weapons being used on our account, which is quite a full-on thing when the rest of the world is moving away from nuclear weapons in every sense. Mm, and so... I noticed that in your article in the conversation recently, you pointed out that Australia's reliance on A&D was an interim measure until the total ban on nuclear weapons was achieved. Mm. Why is Australia delaying the possibility of a total ban? Well, this is a really good question. That that idea of Australia um, looking for a total ban on nuclear weapons was in the 1994 Defence White Paper. And that was probably quite symbolic of the time um, for Australia to be putting that in there. It was probably an acknowledgement that the Cold War had ended at that stage. So it was quite strange in that context as well for this policy to be articulated in this way. Those other arrangements, such as in NATO and Japan and South Korea, had happened during the Cold War. Ours was articulated after the Cold War in our defence papers. Um, but yes, there's, it, it, it is a really interesting conundrum as to how the Australian government can see these two ideas going side by side. The idea of the ban, the idea of supporting total nuclear disarmament, which 
has been advocated by successive governments, but at the same time, this idea of extended, relying on extended nuclear deterrence from the U.S. weapons. It's a, a hypocrisy, basically, in the policies, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it has caused an enormous amount of conflict in Australia's positioning, such as we've seen recently with the impact of this policy at the OEWG, the Open-Ended Working Group negotiations in Geneva. It seems like Australia, through this policy, is being forced into a spoiler role against the wishes of the majority of the world's nations who are talking about a ban on nuclear weapons. So they're coming to the aid of the United States, you know, with this idea that they're going to be defending the nuclear position of the U.S. by spoiling the ideas of uh, other nations who are talking about banning nuclear weapons. It's it's a complex thing. It's It's not an easy thing. It's not... Um, as easy as saying that Australia is just being bad because they haven't always been bad on these issues. They have actually had a constructive role to play on things like the Rauatonga Treaty or the Nuclear Weapons Free Zone Treaty in our region, things like stopping nuclear testing by France in the region in the 70s. They took the French government to the International Court of Justice, for example. There's a whole lot of ways in which Australia has played a really um, quite ambitious and quite uh, constructive role um, in in working towards banning nuclear weapons or eliminating nuclear weapons or putting steps in place to see the end of nuclear weapons. And yet now this policy, this end policy, seems to be finally coming to a head as the world is gathering steam towards a ban. And Australia seems to be very much on the wrong side of history on this one. It's a bit embarrassing, really. It's... <laughs> Yeah, it is really quite a lot embarrassing, right? <laughs> it's a very embarrassing position. And it's a conflicted position because it just actually doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it, it, it really doesn't follow. Australia has been tested on. We know the impact of these things on our own country. We know the impact of, on, of, the, of these weapons in our own region. It's an abhorrent thing to imagine nuclear weapons being used ever again. And yet that's exactly what our policies in defence are saying, that we think that there is going to be a justified time that we may be able to use nuclear weapons or have nuclear weapons used on our, on our behalf. It seems very inconsistent with the position that Australia should have, and it's certainly inconsistent with the position that the majority of Australians would feel is right. Mm, I would say so, yeah. Um, so do you have any thoughts on how the ban treaty negotiations might progress in the next few years? Well, um, I think, look, I think it's really the, the closest we've ever been to a, a, a ban on nuclear weapons. This is something that's not a new idea by any means. You know, this is a, an idea that has been around since the very beginning of nuclear weapons in the 1940s. It's been talked about having a ban and so forth, and it's been a long, long road and too long a road to get to this point. But I feel like an incredible amount of optimism is is um, is not unwarranted at the moment. I think it's it's really exciting. I think that there's a, a general feeling in the world that we need to do something about these nuclear weapons. It is not the Cold War anymore. Um, it wasn't acceptable then either, but... It's so far from a Cold War environment. It's so far, these weapons are so far beyond just a, 
uh, bipolar kind of conflict between the U.S. and USSR, these things are seen as really dangerous, and the and the prospect of use is very much a daily threat still. And I think the world is just saying we can't afford this level of insecurity. Nuclear weapons are a, an instrument of grave insecurity in the world, and we need to sort of be challenging them. So I think I think this ban treaty. Um, is very likely to come about in the next couple of years. I think it won't be easy. I think there'll be hard fights. I think it'll be hard fought for. I think there'll be a lot of resistance from the nine nuclear weapon states that are around now, nuclear armed states, um, particularly the US and Russia, and also the UK. But I think that there's no other option for the rest of the world than to keep on persisting with this. And what if a treaty is only signed by the non-nuclear weapon states? Well, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of concern about that. But these things often take time and they often happen in stages. The very first thing that needs to be done is that we have to delegitimize these weapons. We have to challenge them. We have to say these are such indiscriminate weapons of mass destruction that we have to take them out of any level of legal legitimacy. So we have to start there. And that's what a ban will do. Now, of course, those people who have those nuclear weapons are going to be saying, no, 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 they're not, they're not, that's not what it's about. But we do know that they are, that it's not simply an instrument of, they're not just there for window dressing, if that makes sense. Mm. No, these, these weapons are actually being talked of in use. And we know this. I mean, Theresa May, the new UK Prime Minister, just in July, there was a debate in Parliament over there, and she was saying that she would use those nuclear weapons which would kill 100,000 people. She was challenged on that question, and she said, yes, I'd use them. And she said, I wouldn't, it's not just about deterrence. We will use these nuclear weapons if we have to. So this is the kind of mentality that we have to challenge now, and that's what a ban will do. The nuclear weapon states are unlikely to join up to that in the initial phases. But they were also unlikely to join up to other initiatives over time to do with nuclear weapons and also to do with other weapons of mass destruction. It's about the rest of the world saying we do not see the legitimacy of these things. We will make these illegal. We will start stop normalising the idea of these weapons in the defence of any nation. Excellent. Thank you so much for explaining all that to us today, Dimity. Pleasure, Mara. And thanks for joining us on the show and good luck with your PhD. The vote on the report to begin negotiations to ban nuclear weapons was accepted by an overwhelming majority, with 68 voting in favour, 22 against and 13 abstaining. Anti-nuclear campaigners regard the acceptance of the report as a major step in the campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. It is likely that formal negotiations for a nuclear weapons ban treaty will begin in 2017 after being tabled at the UN General Assembly. Thanks to Tim Wright from ICANN and Dimity Hawkins for joining us on this week's Rad Show. For information about ICANN's work, go to icanw.org au. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au radioactive. We'll also post useful links on our Facebook page. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. 
The radioactive show was produced in the studios of 3CR on the stolen land of the Rwandari people of the Kulin Nation in Fitzroy, Victoria. It is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.